Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, a podcaster, mindset coach, and travel junkie, and I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature an empowered woman's vulnerable story because we believe it's important to have these conversations so that we can learn and grow from one another. You can also expect incredible tips, tricks, and life hacks from leading experts to help you live a more mindful and aligned life. So if you love the podcast, subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. So before we jump into this week's episode, I have got some exciting news to share, and you guys are my very first people. I haven't even told my friends or my family or anybody else, you guys are the first. So some of you ladies have noticed a few weeks ago, I sneakily rebranded the podcast, yet I didn't say anything about it. It's not like I had a big announcement or really like shared too much behind the scenes of what I had been up to, but I'm excited to announce that my website is officially launched today. So go check out samantharoberto.com and I just have to put this out there. I will never say just like, oh, just put up a website again. It took me so much work. I had no idea. I thought honestly, when I started this back in January, I'm like, okay, new year, time to rebrand, time to finally like make it a quote unquote official, get a website. I've like never had a website in my life. Even when I was in real estate, like just never did that step. And I thought it was going to take three weeks, but Alas, here we are three months later, three plus months later, and it is finally getting done. So it is something that I am very, very proud of. And I want to give a quick shout out to the amazing girls at the Coast Kit based in Vancouver who are phenomenal to work with. They're the ones who helped me with the branding and putting everything together for the website. And also shout out to my girl, Naomi, who is an amazing photographer based in LA. I'm going to have both of their contacts linked in the show notes. So if you are at a point where you are looking for a website to get done, or if you're looking for a photographer and you happen to be in the LA or California area, definitely, definitely, definitely reach out to these ladies. They have been phenomenal to work with. What I'm extra excited about is that I made an incredible journaling resource and I put it there just for you. So journaling has been such a huge life hack for me. And I know it really has the capacity to help you too. So I know um, a lot of people I have spoken to who say like, I want to get into journaling, but I don't know how, like I feel kind of weird. It's like a diary. I'm scared if somebody finds it. There's so many reservations that can come up with this practice where people just think like, oh, it's just writing. I don't want to do it. No, it is actually like the gateway to your soul and your creativity and creating more space in your life. And it is such a game-changing tool. So I put together a phenomenal resource just for you guys that's really going to help you step into taking on this new habit and implementing it in your life. Or if you're already journaling, going deeper and really, you know, finding a way to, to dive in deeper into the practice. So www.samantharoberto.com and and it's Roberto with a U, not a no. People screw that up often. You'd be surprised how many people screw that up. Um, and at the very bottom of the first homepage, you'll see it right there, Journaling 101. All you got to do is put your info in and you will be sent it today. So super, super exciting. Let me know what you guys think too. I literally put my heart and soul into this project and I am like 
so excited to birth this website into the world. It honestly, like even the podcast, when I put my podcast out, it was like birthing it out into the world, right? And for anybody on the creative path or creative journey, this is how it happens. It happens in layers. It's one step at a time. It's sort of, you know, pivoting with what you can do and figuring things out as you go. And, you know, you don't all have to have it all together at once. Like I said, I have not had a website my entire life, which is considering we live in a digital world, considering that this podcast is all online, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but I don't be hard on myself. I just take this, the next step that's in front of me and I keep moving. So anyways, moving on to the reviews. So we've got two reviews this week. Uh, they're nice and short and concise. So the first one is, I loved it. Great content and style. Thank you, Kayla Graves, for your review. And the second review is from Annie Suarez, who says, amazing, beautiful podcast. Thank you so much for sharing this with the world. Best wishes. Thank you, both of you ladies, for taking the time to go and leave us the review. I love them. I'd love to hear what you guys think. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the content and the guests that we're bringing on. This really is a passion project of like love and really wanting to put a positive thing out there in the world. So I'm so glad that it's well received. Anyways, if you have not left a review yet, stop, pause for a minute, go to the bottom of your Apple podcast and go give us a five-star rating and an amazing review for your chance to be featured on next week's episode. So speaking of episodes, you guys are going to love this week's episode, what we have for you. I've got my girl, Rachel, who is the co-founder of Soul Fulveda, whose guiding intention is to help overachieving women get rid of the burnout forever and align their mind, body, and soul to attract the life they fantasize. Rachel is an Ayurvedic practitioner, certified holistic nutritionist, yoga instructor, and a pizza to the core, and her dharma is to lead transformation from the inside and has a very holistic, well-rounded approach to that process. What I love about Rachel is that she went on a healing journey. She was super restrictive with her food. She's tried all of the diets. She you know, went through different health issues as well and really didn't give up until she found her thing. And her thing is Ayurveda. And now that she's found it, she really genuinely wants to share this practice and these tools and this information with the world. So she comes from a very heart-centered place. And if you're listening and you're like, what the heck is Ayurveda? What the heck is a dosha? What the heck is a pitta? Don't worry, we have got you. We are gonna go through the 101 of all of these things and help you figure out which dosha you may be. I feel like you guys are gonna learn a lot through listening to this episode. So let's just get right to it. It is one of the world's oldest healing modalities or healing systems, correct? Yes, totally. It's over 5,000 years old. And that's that's actually only the like official date they have of Ayurveda because that's when they started writing things down. But it's it's thought to be dated back to 10,000 years ago when the sages and rishis were passing it down orally too. So super, super old and ancient. <laughs> so I would love to learn more about what that is. But first, I kind of want to go back and see what it is that got you into this path? Because I don't know if you grew up, like your, your father is a doctor. Did you grow up with Ayurveda your whole life or is this something that you found? 
No, it's it's totally new. And I grew up, you know, very normally. My dad, you're right, is a Western medical doctor. He's a, a family physician. And I was pretty healthy my whole life. An athlete. I, I loved working out, but wasn't super into nutrition. And it wasn't until college that I really started to kind of dig deeper into the body and do my own workouts and got interested in food. And it was about that same time that I started to notice things creeping up for me physically. So I think it started like my junior year. And I, I won't tell the whole story because it, it's pretty long, but basically, Basically, I felt the way a lot of people I think feel where I had things wrong with me that weren't necessarily a disease, but they still didn't make me feel good. You know, like I would have such bad heartburn after meals that I wouldn't want to eat or I couldn't sleep for hours because I would just have to like sit up in bed. And I had, I call them highs, but it was really just like inflammation for like almost an entire year where I just had like small bumps. I was red and I couldn't figure it out. I had all of these stressful things happen in my eyes. And this is a period of like probably two years. And my dad was amazing and helping me understand it from the Western perspective, prescribing me the things I needed. But at some point, part of me was like, okay, I don't want to be on medication and not understand this for the rest of my life. Like there just seems like there's something off. Like intuitively, something told me that there was more to this. And that's where I really started this entire journey. So for me, it started with first the physicality of it. So I really got into yoga, became a yoga instructor. And through there, I found nutrition and really wanted to try on a bunch of different diets. So if you name a diet, I have definitely tried it. I've been Whole30, I've been keto, I've been, you know, intermittent fasting, all of the things. And as much as I'm, you know, really grateful for those experiences and what I learned, they didn't heal me. And if anything, some of them actually made me worse, which I could not figure out. And so that's when I decided to become a certified holistic nutritionist. I'm like, okay, this is the key, holistic nutrition, that sounds perfect. And basically what I learned from that was whole food, plant-based way of eating, which was really powerful, but it still didn't totally answer all of my questions. And what I found happening with all of these diets was that not only was my inner dialogue and inner critic super, super strong, like my outer critic was starting to get worse. Like I would be at dinners with people and they'd be ordering like a pasta and enjoying themselves. And like, I could not get over the fact that they ordered a pasta with milk and cheese. And I didn't want to be that person. Like the second I noticed that I was like, this isn't how I'm meant to live my life. So through teaching yoga, I met um, my friend Angelica, who is now my business partner, and she was an Ayurvedic practitioner. And she mentioned something at the beginning of her class. Her intention was around how she just got back from California, where our school was. And I immediately was just drawn to her. I'm like, I need to be your client. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, you can be my client. And what I learned from her was so powerful. The entire time we were talking, it was like therapy and energy work and nutrition and all of these things just wrapped into one. And my heart was just singing. I was like, this is it. This is landing. It makes sense. And my body followed. Within five weeks, I was sleeping. The heartburn had gone away. The skin adult acne that I'd never had but had come up was going away. And even though all those things are amazing, what was really you know, even more powerful for me was that Ayurveda always works on, I use like the triangle mind, body, soul level. So I started healing my physical body. And through that, I was able to heal my inner critic a few months later. And eventually that that tapped into my soul's purpose or what we call a dharma in Ayurveda. And that was really teaching Ayurveda and a lot of different other modalities to people through my own experience and through what I learned. And so because that experience was so powerful for me, I was like, why don't people know about this? It's amazing. People know yoga. People don't know Ayurveda. And so um, Angelica and I teamed up to do some events that were more just for fun. And eventually it turned into us creating a business and a thing together. And it's been an amazing journey. And I, I love being able to share my story to show people like 
it's okay if you've tried all of the things. Like this could be the thing for you because it's so unique and it's so personalized and it literally has an answer for everything. I love that you bring that up because I can find it so frustrating. Like you know that something's off. Like deep down, you know that you're not feeling great or you're not feeling 100% or you have these little symptoms. And often people can get frustrated and just kind of give up or try this fad diet and then let it go or try this, you know, little thing and then forget about it. But just your journey of like, persistence and moving forward and figuring it out. It's it's really, it's nice to hear that you found your thing through it, that it was worth, you know, the hunt. Totally. And I think what was powerful for me is um, I'm a pitta, which we can talk about, but I love the science behind things and I want to understand them. Like I'm, I'm pretty skeptical if I haven't experienced something myself, unless it intuitively lands, which this did. But another beautiful thing about Ayurveda that a lot of people don't know is it's more than just eating via dosha, exercising via dosha. Like you can go to school and learn things as deep as Ayurvedic surgery and how to work with oncology patients and working with different anxiety disorders. So the science is really, really deep and it's it's rooted in things that made a lot of sense to me from a practical, practical and even sometimes a Western perspective, which I found really powerful. That's what I was going to ask. What did your father think? Because he has a Western background. Like as you started going on this path, was he like, what was his perspective of it? My dad is a pretty, he's a pretty chill guy. He's, he's always kind of like, wait, what are you doing? What did you leave your, your cushy job to do? But he's open to it. And, you know, he said himself, like nutrition isn't something medical doctors are necessarily trained on. I think they have as much as maybe seven credit hours of nutrition. And granted, he went to school, you know, a long time ago. It might be different for medical doctors today, although from what I understand, not so much. But he's open to it. Him and my mom, um, they've actually tried on a lot of things. Like he drinks his pitta tea. They started eating a lot more vegetables. Um, They have Ayurvedic cookbooks they use. So, I mean, my long-term vision someday is to have a really beautiful, cohesive strategy and platform where people can use both because Ayurveda – accepts anything that is good for the body. So for example, like I always say, Ayurveda is what you do in your home. It's what you do every single day in your rituals and routines. But if you break your leg, if you, you know, have some type of bacterial disease or something where you can go to a Western doctor and get a remedy, like definitely do that. They work together. One's preventative. It can also be reactive, but the other is definitely has its place. So Someday I would love to work together with him and other doctors and really create something that people can feel is truly holistic. For anybody listening who here is hearing all of these things, dosha, pitta, vata, kappa, like, and they're like, what the heck is this language that you're talking about? Like, what are all these things? I have no idea. Can you break us down to like the, the 101 of everything? Totally. Totally. I love the 101 and thank you for bringing me back to that. So Ayurveda, because it was crafted over 5,000 years ago, the rishis first, they, they received all of this knowledge through basically downloads, right? Intuitive downloads. And they understood our bodies from the perspective of the five great elements. So, so the five- Arishi, sorry, Arishi is? So Arishi is like a very wise, intuitive person who can get into a really deep meditation and download all of this information from source. Yes, thank you. Um, so the five great elements are um, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And I'll explain a little bit more about those, but I want to go back to you know, that idea that everybody knows yoga. So there are four sister sciences that the Rishis crafted, and two of them are yoga and Ayurveda, and they really go hand in hand because we practice yoga a little bit differently today in our Western and very physical world. Yoga is more of an intense physical practice, 
But back in those days, yoga was movement. It was breath work. It was meditation. And its ultimate purpose was to reach spiritual enlightenment. And so what the Rishis understood is like, okay, to be able to do this practice of yoga, we have to be healthy in our bodies. How do we keep everyone healthy? Because they realized that everybody was unique, right? We know that from like an epigenetic standpoint, we all have different DNA. We look different, sound different. And they wanted to understand that at its core. So what they understood was like, by using the five elements, we can understand all aspects of the body. So I say all of that to kind of bring it back to the doshas. So the doshas are a way to categorize the great elements. So each dosha is made up of two elements. So for example, vata is made up of air and ether, and that's reflected in their physical body, personality, physiology. Pitta is made up of fire and water. And then kapha or kappa, you could say it either way, is earth and water. And you Everyone is a combination of all three of those things. So you're never just one dosha, you're all three. But by understanding which energies and elements you have the most of, that's how you can start to rebalance your body using those those energies and those elements. Amazing. So how would somebody go about to figure out what their dosha is? Yeah. So that's a really good question. There's a few ways to do this online. There are a lot of quizzes, um, but a quiz is really a far cry different from working with a practitioner. If you work with a practitioner, there's a giant medical history form. You spend like almost two hours with the practitioner, but the basic way you can understand it is by really looking at yourself and by understanding, okay, what do these elements actually mean when they show up in my physical body and my personality? And how can I start to see how these pieces fit together? So I'll start with Vata. So you can think about the qualities of each of these elements because that's really how everything is understood is about the qualities of what we're talking about. So a Vata person made up of air and ether is really light, ethereal, cold. And so all of these things show up in their physical body. So if you really have a lot of Vata within you, you tend to have a slight irregular frame, meaning your face is oblong, you have small features, your hands are rectangular with long fingers, long neck. Um, and overall, you're just, you're more petite. You can still be tall, but small overall, thin. Um Physiologically, things you'll experience are a lot of air and ether in your body. So like gas, bloating, constipation, dry skin, those are Vata tendencies. And in the personality, I always describe Vatas as like the independent. These people are super like creative. They're inspiring. They're bubbly. They're enthusiastic um, when they're in balance. And so they have a lot of this ethereal energy to them and they love things like astrology and Ayurveda and all of those types of things. Pitta people are sort of the moderate people. So again, back to fire and water. So in their physical features, they have a lot of sharpness. And I'm a Pitta, so I'll show you on myself. Um, so I have really prominent cheekbones. I have a really sharp kind of jawline and chin, more of a pointy nose. And overall, Pittas tend to be really flush. So I'll have a lot of redness in my cheeks. I'll feel warm most of the time when others might feel hot. And overall, our bodies, they're moderate, but we tend to hold on to muscle well. So these people look muscular, even if we're not doing a ton of exercise. Physiologically, because you have the fire element that shows up a lot in our body. So I talked about my experience with heartburn. That's a big one. Um, loose stools can be one. And overall, they can just feel really warm and intense. And if you were to use a word on pitta, they're truly the leaders. So pittas are visionaries and they really embody this idea of fire and fire is transformation. So these people have a vision and they see really linearly and strategically in how they want to get there, like A to B. 
Um, and they do that by a lot of intensity, a lot of focus. And they can also be really warm and friendly, but they're really known for their ability to just like hone in on things and get the job done. Um, kaffas are made up of earth and water. So these people have a lot of softness to them and a lot of really big features. So big smiling eyes. They have a big nose bridge, wide smile, big lips, and overall a rounder face and some softness in the jawline. You'll also really see this in their hands. They'll have the shorter, thicker fingers and like a fleshy thumb pad, whereas pitches will be square, but it'll feel a little harder, a little more muscular. And their hair is like thicker um, and maybe a little bit oilier, but overall thicker. And their physical body, you see the earth show up and that they tend to look actually really good with a little bit of weight, even though this isn't something we totally revere in our Western culture. They look good with a few extra pounds and they have the softness overall in their body. Their digestion can be sluggish and their their like telltale thing is swelling or if you're someone who like always feels congested, like that's a, that's a kapha thing. And their personality, these people are true sweethearts. They're the nurturer. So they give the best hugs. They're dependable, reliable as friends. Um, and they're they're always there for you. They love to support. They love to hold space. And yeah, they're they're just really there for you. And when they're in balance, they can be sweethearts, good listeners, and they they they're always just, yeah, showing up for you. So, so- with your dosha, is this something that you're born with and you sort of maintain that throughout your life? Yeah, really good question. So I'll use the Sanskrit words and then I'll break it down. So you're born with something um, in your mother's womb. It's called your prakruti and it's your constitution. And you can think about this if you understand astrology. It's like your your birth chart, your natal chart. That's who you are. That never changes. And that'll be a certain percentage of all of the doshas and how they show up in your body, unique to every single person. You can have the same percentages as somebody else, but it'll show up differently in your body. And what changes every single day, every hour, um, I mean, not every hour, but it could change every hour, is something called your vikruti. And that is your current imbalance. And this is a reflection of all of the things that have happened to you and that you've experienced and taken in in your lifetime. So some examples of these are like seasonally what's happening. Um, are you in a relationship to just get out of a relationship? It's the foods you're eating. It's the sounds you're listening to, the things you're putting on your body, aromatherapy, all of those things can make up your current imbalance. It's like, okay, I could know what my doshas are. I'm, you know, probably a pitta. I mean, you could probably tell me because you do, you know me. So, um, but how would I go about to know if I'm imbalanced and balanced and how does that look? Yeah. And I I just want to start this by saying balance can be a triggering word for some people because perfect balance like ultimately doesn't exist, right? We're always experiencing things and they can be throwing us out of balance. So the true spirit of Ayurveda is to really connect you to your intuitive wisdom so that you understand what you need at all times and that you're able to hear the whisper of your soul saying, hey, here's what you need today. Here's what you need in this moment. So it's living in the present moment and also being completely okay with whatever is happening and having you know, the physical wisdom to implement things that you need to keep yourself in balance. And so what balance looks like, it's just a place where you feel really good in your body. You feel comfortable, you feel happy. Um, and you're just, you know, it's that pure joy, that pure love. You're able to emulate that and, you know, send it out, project it into the world, but no one experiences all of those things at all times, right? You're not always balanced. So the true purpose is for you to tap into that inner wisdom. So 
I always say that Ayurveda and, you know, Ayurvedic practitioners are like the training wheels. So you use these different imbalances, the different doshas to kind of get you going on your bike, right? It lays out a blueprint or a guideline of like, all right, you're experiencing a vata imbalance. Here's some things you can do to bring you back to your balance. And then once you're in that place, it's like, okay, mom's holding on to the steering wheel and you're, she's still there. We're still riding along. But once you get to the place where you're really in tune with your body and your mind and your soul, you don't even need to classify these things as like this balance or, you know, this is happening in my, my heart chakra. You just know, like, what does my body need today? And you're able to listen and you're able to follow that. So it's a lifelong journey to get to that place. So it sort of gives you a little bit more of a roadmap to feeling better and feeling good. A thousand percent. Yes. Cool. Okay. So how does this work? So say, for example, if I was to come to you and say like, Rachel, help me out. I'm feeling like there's something off. What does this look like? So from a practitioner standpoint, we always start working with the imbalance and it's helpful to know your prakriti, who you innately are, but oftentimes it's, it's clouded over by your imbalance. So I'd understand what's going on with you and whether that's been happening throughout your entire life. That's something we call the tendency, or if it's something that's present with you for the last weeks, months, years, it can be decades for some people. And we'd start there and we'd understand, okay, your, your vata's out of balance. Maybe your pitta's also a little bit elevated and you're always working to pacify whichever one is out of balance. So you, for example, are, are you okay diving into a little bit about you? Yeah, and I'd love to. Example? Definitely. Okay. It'll give a practical, like the thing is by doing this, yeah. you can kind of see how this works. Totally. Yeah. And so if I was looking at you and understood what I know about you, because I've known you for a few months now, I I see you to have a lot of pitta in you and I'll explain what I see. And I also see a lot of vata in you. I think those are your dominant doshas. So the pitta in you physically, you have a lot of the pitta features, right? You have more of the square face, kind of moderate nose, moderate eyes, bigger, moderate lips, and all of those things really say pitta. And your ability to create as many podcasts as you do and your old work. And you just really have like a drive and a vision for yourself and what you want to do in the world. And all of that is very Pitta. And not to say that if you don't have a purpose in the world, you're not Pitta, but the way you go about executing it has a very Pitta energy to it. Now, the Vata in you is the part of you that loves to travel and be that free spirit. Um, you're also very intuitive. You are super attracted to you know, Dr. Joe. You love his work. You've experienced a lot of his work, which means you've tapped into that energy that's very ethereal. And you love abstract things, right? Like we're talking about Ayurveda and you have a dream catcher behind you and you just made a big move to LA and like all of these things that are a lot of movement. That's really what Vata symbolizes. You have a lot of movement in your life and that's that's truly a Vata quality. So my first guess would be like, okay, that's what you have going on with you right now. And maybe as we started to work with some of that Vata energy that I think would be more of the imbalance, then we would see like, okay, maybe actually you truly do have more Pitta. So I'll get into that because I might be confusing. So that's Prakriti. That's what I think you mostly are. When we're talking Vikruti, questions I'll ask are like, okay, like what I sent you, how how is your sleep? How have you been feeling? What are your energy levels? What is your skin doing? What is your digestion saying? And all of these things are kind of pointing me to where you're at today. So I'll give some examples of things that, that you said. So for example, I think it was hormones, talking about maybe some big swings. Like when I get to the, you know this time of the month, it's like you, you're feeling like a either a dip in energy or a rise, or maybe you feel emotional. And maybe you can shine some light on that before I dig into this. Definitely. Oh yeah. yeah. Every time. It's like, it's like <laughs> clockwork. I go like, yeah. But it's just like, I wake up and wrong side of the bed, feeling agitated, 
the world's on my shoulders and it's just like and so some of those big swings like vata truly rules variability so they're always like super high highs super low lows and like even when you described your energy like you wake up in the morning and you're full of energy you're ready to go and then in the afternoon you crash and the afternoon between two and six is actually the vata time of day and so you do have all of that vata energy surging through you and then it's like oh my gosh it just completely overwhelmed you you're fatigued like that that's truly vata at work and it shows up in digestion like I mentioned, and we haven't dug into this with you, but like it's gas, it's bloating, bloating, it's irregularity. It can be, you know, no stools at all, or it can be like all of the stool and then no stool. And we don't have to get into stool, but <laughs> just, to show, <laughs> just to show that it, Vata can be all over the place. And oftentimes that wind, that air can kind of fan the fire of Pitta. Like if you picture Pitta like a campfire and you're blowing all of this Vata energy on it, both are rising. So it can be a dangerous combination, which is why you're feeling like these swings, but your response to it is agitation. It might be anger. It might be like, okay, I'm just going to shoulder this and like get it done. That's the pitta coming up once it's being fanned by the vata. So does that make sense? Uh, Total sense. And I love the way that you're putting that in there. So let's say, for example, someone who's a kappa, would Mm -hmm. there, like, would they just, because would they just sort of like hibernate like almost like a bear just like if they're off balance not want to leave stay home pull the covers over their head like is that like a kappa thing just to touch on that Totally. Yeah. We're actually in kapha season right now. So it's nice to bring that up. Spring is kapha season. And it's interesting because we're kind of all like embodying this kapha energy of like staying at home and like in our pajamas and like watching all the shows. And that's very kapha energy. Kapha is like mama bear, like bring me home. And so when kapha is out of balance, um, a few things happen. So they're known for being attached to things. So on a physical level, this can look like like creating a story around like an old t-shirt and like they just have a giant closet stuffed with stuff. They have a garage full of stuff and they're very emotionally like attached to it. And then on a, like more of a mental level, these people like they'll forget, but they will never forget. Like they hold on to these emotions, this resentment, this anger. And because they're always the ones showing up and kind of nurturing when they don't get that back, they might actually be upset, but not share it. And then it, it just gets stuck in their physical body. And so Kafa is really, like you said, it's grounded. It's wanting to stay home, not wanting to do a bunch of things, kind of the opposite of Vata. And all of that shows up in like a stickiness, whether it's a mental or a physical energy. Mm. I really, um, I'm loving learning about all three of these doshas and especially now just because what's happening in the world, like I feel like with the coronavirus that is very real right now, it's just kind of putting us all into these environments that are a little bit out of balance. So what would you say in this instance would be, um, three very nurturing things for each dosha type to do just to kind of like nurture and and feel good with everything else that's going on. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah. And I just want to kind of lay the foundation for this is kind of what's happening from the Ayurvedic standpoint. So like I said, we're we're really invoking a lot of this kapha energy by being at home, being in kapha season, but there's a lot of vata out in the world right now. And vata energy, when it shows up in the mind, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's worry, it's overanalyzing, it's projecting into the future. And so we have these opposite energies working. And, you know, I truly believe that all things happen for a reason. I think this pandemic happened in this time and happened in this way so that we could learn how to deal with all of these vata emotions in a really grounded way. So it's supporting us physically while we're kind of doing this work. So a little I bit love of that. I love the way you're putting that because there is so much energetically happening mm-hmm. and yet we're all at home just kind of hibernating. That's a really yeah. good, a really good thing to highlight. 
Yeah. And so it's a great question because those are polar energies and they actually are helping balance one another. So that's a neatly, that's working for us. So one thing to notice, um, a few things you can do, you said three for each, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for Vatas, if they're at home, like one thing that they're, they're probably trying to do is they're still trying to be in constant motion. So instead of, you know, feeling like you have to go, 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 and like read all the things and do all the things, and they're going to get very sidetracked at home. Like Vatas really need a lot of routine and structure in their life. And when they're working from home, sometimes that kind of all goes out the window. So number one thing for them is like create a schedule, a routine and stick to it. Wake up at the same time every day. Start your work at the same time every day. Create a stopping point. Take a lunch break. Like if I had to give one thing for Vatsas just overall in general, like stay with your routine. Like that's that's good. Um, and maybe I'll just do one. I feel like that'll be more actionable okay. for people to hold on to. Um, and so for Pitta's, Pitta's during this time are they're the ones looking at the social media that's like keep going. This is your time to write your book and start your podcast and do your website. And Pitta's are like all over it. Like I don't have to commute. That gives me 22 extra minutes. Now I'm going to, you know, do two workouts a day. And they're trying to be super efficient and productive in this time. My advice to Pittas is like, learn how to give yourself permission to be unproductive. Like sit outside for 20 minutes. You're not meditating. You're not reading a book. You're not listening to a podcast. You are literally just chilling and like, it's okay. Like learn that now so you can set up as a foundation for your life. Because Pittas, the hard thing about them is they don't even realize oftentimes they have a physical imbalance until it's so bad that it's like physically broken down their body in some way. And so if they can really learn this now, then it sets them up for success to keep going after all of these dreams and visions long term. So Pittas are like prone to burnout. They're the type that are just like going and they just burn out. Yes, exactly. And they're going to use this time, even though it's supposed to be like this grounding energy, they're going to use it to try to get ahead. And so my advice is don't worry about getting ahead. Just be with yourself. Learn how to be okay with that. It's so funny because as you say these things, I can like picture the people that I know that are these different like doshas that kind of like categorize into that because you see the personalities really coming out. Yeah. And it's helpful to not only understand that about them, but also have compassion for them and learn how how to speak to them. So that's you know, kind of a tangent, but that's one thing I love about Ayurveda is that compassion that comes in. Um, and so for kaphas, they're going to be like, wait, this quarantine is literally my lifestyle. Like I love staying home and watching Netflix. Like, you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing on the couch, like work, like I'm not working. I'm moving my mouse around on my computer. I'm like, I'm good. And so my advice to them is opposite of that. So is like, get moving, make sure you do some type of movement that gets your heart rate up and stimulated every single day. Like jumping jacks in your living room. Great. Get outside. Great. You love workout classes virtually great. Just do something that's not like you laying on the couch all day and your days start to blur together because that excess energy is just going to hold on in their body and they're going to come out of this being like, wait, what happened? I feel so sticky and heavy. If you're listening right now, I want you to screenshot your phone and take us both and let us know what dosha you think you are based on those things. So let us know what you're sort of leading to. Are you a vata? Are you a pitta? Are you a kappa? So you figure out your dosha, you learn a bit about your tendencies, and how does it work with like digging in deep to Ayurveda and kind of taking it to those deeper levels? Yeah, I love that question because I think people think Ayurveda, it's like you're hiring a health coach, but not really. Um, so we, we do start with the body because it's tangible and it's where you see immediate results. So when you start to create changes, things happen at um, a, a datu level, which I won't get into, but all of these different levels of tissue, and you can start to see healing almost immediately like I had in my own experience. 
But there's so much more than that. So the doshas are one kind of category of Ayurveda, but then you also have these different energies of the mind and also you have the the chakra centers. And so when you work with us, it's it's a little bit of all three. So we start with the body, let's get that in check. And then we start to work on your mind because I have a lot of people that come to me and they're like, well, I have a physical imbalance, but I, I like feel totally fine in my mind. They're like, I, I just feel really worried, but like physically I don't have any indigestion. And the reason for that is people don't know what's normal until Mm. someone shares their experience, right? And what we know to be true from an Ayurvedic perspective is the mind is – the physical body is a projection of the mind and the mind is a reflection of the body, meaning they're they're interconnected. Like one is vibrating at a super high level and it has no subtle form and our physical body is that form. And so if something is happening in your mind and you're worried and you're anxious – you bet that's going to show up in your body. Like it's probably, you know, maybe it's belly fat trying to keep you protected in that way by adding some kapha. And so we work all angles of that. Starting first, we always work with digestion first. We start with food, how to eat your food, because that's super important, even more important than what you're eating. And then yeah. eventually we'll work. Yeah, we can we can talk about that. I love talking about that. Um, but once we work our way off food and digestion, then we really start to dive into like, okay, what's going on up here? Like, are there limiting beliefs? How are those tied to the different chakra system? Is there an excess or a deficient, you know, sense of flow through the chakras? And how is that showing up in your physical body? And there's a little bit of teaching as we guide too. So one thing I want to highlight is um I'm really different from a regular practitioner and that I'm a coach. So a practitioner, you can picture that like a doctor-client relationship. And yes, like we can do that. But we love the coaching aspect, me and my partner, because what we want to do is empower you to learn Ayurveda at a fundamental level so that you can use all of these things forever, lifelong. Like if you're feeling very vata and the next year you have a huge cough unbalance, you know what to do. You're not coming back to us. It's like, ah, I have all the knowledge I need now to make some changes in my life. This is what I love about coaching. It sort of gives you the invisible toolbox. And that's the thing. Like as a coach, it's like, we'll bring you into this container, but we want to teach you the tools so that you are not dependent on us. Totally. Um, so I would love to go into some of the, the, you said it's more important how you eat than what you eat. Give us some of those tips because I think that there's a lot of truth to this. Yeah. So this like blew my mind when I started learning Ayurveda, especially I gave you my background with all the restrictive eating, like calorie counting, you literally track how many grams of fat and carbs I would have every single day. And when I learned this, it was just like, so Ayurveda really understands food from a different level. And they believe that 90% of how you digest your food is actually in how you're taking your meal. And what I mean by that is what you're doing at mealtime, how you're transitioning in and out of your mealtime. And I won't go into all of the science, but I do want to say that if you think about digestion, in Ayurveda, there's something called an agni, and it loosely translates to your metabolism and your digestion of your food. But there's a lot of different agnis, and they're happening in all of the different senses. So if you picture yourself eating dinner or maybe breakfast, so you're eating breakfast in your car and you have maybe like a cliff bar and you're listening to a podcast and you're trying to drive through traffic and maybe you're also texting, you're doing all of these other things with your senses and you're in movement mode. And so instead of your body focusing on the food and bringing the awareness and energy down into your, your stomach and where the food is actually being absorbed, you've got all of these agnis trying to metabolize everything else that's going on around you. So when you're using all of the five senses in this like sense of hyper-awareness, then you're not able to work on what's at hand. And so oftentimes when you eat 
eat food in this way, it's not fully digested. And so elimination isn't totally amazing. And excess food known as ama or toxins in Ayurveda is stored in the body. And whether it's surrounding your organs, maybe it goes into your fat cells. Um, but the point is it's not leaving your body in the proper way and it's not nourishing you in the proper way. So to get into your your question about some of the actual tips, a lot of it has to do with just how you're setting up your meal. So making it like a sacred time and place. Um, there are 10 formal rules. There are 14 if you're counting some of the looser rules, but I'll give you just a few high-level ones. So the biggest one is just eating in a non or undistracted environment. So, you know, maybe you have your breakfast on your porch and you're just focused on your food. You're taking it slow, enjoying a beautiful, peaceful environment. It doesn't feel like there's a million other things happening. So that that's really the biggest one. There's a lot of them, like I said, but that one, people see such a big change with that almost like immediately in their digestion when they implement that. Actually chewing your food. That's one thing I think in North American culture, especially totally. like you said, like being in the car and driving into work with your cliff bar. It's like you were like, just like literally just scarfing it down, totally unaware um, this is actually something I picked up a decade ago from the book Celestine Prophecies. And it was, I don't know if you've read it yet, but it was, it was the, the mindfulness practice of even praying for your food. Like, you know, not to bring any, any religious aspect mm -hmm. in, into it, but it was like taking the time to be grateful for the meal that you have and like honor the people who are around the table with you or the people who help get it on your plate. And I really realized in that moment, I'm like, wow, that's the power the power of prayer. And that's the importance of like doing that before every single meal. It's just bringing that attention to your food and sort of like, like energizing it so that it's vibrating higher so that you get that too. It's just like such a, like what you give, you're going to get back in return. A thousand percent. And that is literally an Ayurvedic guideline. It's give gratitude for your food or grace. And like you said, you know, it doesn't have to be anything for your religion. It can be, you know, a simple thank you. And another one of the guidelines is preparing your food with love because you're, you're so dead on that when you put that energy into your food, that nourishment, that's what you get out of it. And nourishment is truly the foundation of our immune system. It's something called ojas in Ayurveda. And so especially during this time, if you're making homemade meals, a powerful shift you can make is while you're cooking, just like think about the people you're cooking it for. Think about yourself. How is this going to nourish you? And it sounds so simple or so woo-woo, but when you put it into practice, you're like, you can feel different. You know, it's it's almost like I'll use this more tangible example. You can have biscuits and gravy or a pie at a restaurant, or you can have your grandma's version. And are the recipes different? No, but what's different about it is your grandma was so excited to make that meal for you. You'd enjoyed it at a holiday or at a family gathering, and it changed how you perceived that taste, and it changed how that food was taken on energetically by your body. I love that example because when I first thought about it, it was like such a big aha for me. Like, oh, this is what this means, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, food and digestion, like we we eat at least a couple times a day, you know, you eat like at least say, let's say three meals a day. Some people have more, but like in our society it is like the go, go, go. Like what one thing I love about France, for example, is that every single meal, they take time to break the bread, sit there. There's no distractions. They have wine. Like it's very much an event where everybody is like, create your day around your meal times, which makes sense. It's just such totally. like it's something we need our entire life. It's something that is fueling our bodies. It's like, why aren't we putting more importance on the ritual that it can be? A hundred percent. And when I lived in Granada in Spain with a host family, they they just they follow Ayurveda without even realizing it, right? They have like the small meal in the morning and then lunch is like this big ordeal. You get two hours from class. And I remember my host mom used to make me take a siesta. She'd like put the blackout shades on. She'd give me a little strawberry and she's like, okay, you nap. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to nap. Like I want to go explore. But like 
I ate so much food there. I did everything and I felt and looked really good there. I was like, what was happening? But it's like that was happening and they had small dinners and all of these things that they don't even know they're putting into practice, but it's it's fueling their health and their vitality, which is amazing to see. I love that. The other thing that I that you mentioned before that I thought was really important to highlight is the level of awareness. Like you said, when people have imbalances in their body or their mind, you know, they might notice their body's off, but they think their mind's fine or they might think their mind's fine, but then their bodies like you know they have these these imbalances there but it's having the awareness that something needs is even off because I did a gut intelligence test a microbiome test biome and prior to that I thought I was fine I'm like yeah I'll do it let's just check it out let's see what it is and when I got my results back I failed with flying colors and I was just like oh my god and then as soon as I saw the results that were like fail, 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 fail. All of a sudden it brought this awareness to like this burning in my gut. And I'm like, I didn't realize like, has this always been there? Like, have I always had this, like this fiery feeling in my gut, you know? And, and prior to that, no clue. And it's, it's amazing that you say that because oftentimes like we've been, we've been dealing with these things for a long time. And until it becomes something so noticeable that's actually impacting our quality of life we're like, oh, this is just how I am. This is my tendency. And it's like, no, you actually don't have to live that way. And it's really interesting when you start to study Ayurvedic pathology is like, we start so much further from the point where it actually becomes a Western disease. There are all of these other steps that we can start to tune into. And it's like, oh, wait, I was, like you said, a burning sensation. Like that's the first one that Pitta's experience is like a burning. And it's really intangible. It's hard to put into words. But once you experience it, you're like, oh, this is what this feels like. And then there are all of these other levels. And all of a sudden you've got something where it's like, oh, wait, you're having, you know, ulcers and, you know, even that. It's like, okay, what can I do for that? Like it, it gets further until people realize that something's truly wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like, do you really want to wait until years, you've gone through years of this and there's a big problem at the end or be proactive and sort of look at your life right now? I think it like, it just makes sense to get the information and make the tweaks and changes that you need to do. Totally. Yeah. So what would you recommend for somebody who is listening and is like, okay, I want to go down this avenue. I'm curious. I want more information. Where can I find you? Yeah. First, I would start by, you know, you can connect with the science. We have a quiz on our website. So it's soulfulveda, S-O-U-L-F-U-L-L-V-E-D-A.com. And, and there you can find your dosha quiz, which will give you that prakruti we were talking about, that pie chart of like, what's your dominant dosha, which is what it'll tell you. And then you can take an imbalance quiz. It's like, okay, what am I actually feeling and experiencing today? And then if you you know, want to move forward and figuring out like, okay, how do I bring myself back into balance? And then also how do I use this knowledge to empower me? And ultimately it changes your life because it changes how you see yourself, changes how you think about your own thoughts, your beliefs. And also it changes the meaning of spirituality when you start to tap into this inner wisdom in a way that's so tangible because it's, it's, you know, talking about your physical body and it shows up in ways other than, you know, you, you hear about people who are clairvoyant and it's like, okay, like I got this download or this. And it's like, sometimes it's way more subtle and your body is just telling you with like a burp or a burning sensation, like, Hey, here's what's going on. And like, that is still your intuition. That's still something spiritual guiding you in your physical body about what you need to do to bring yourself back to balance. And so we work with people one-on-one -on -one, and you can find an application on our website too, if you're interested in that. And your first session would actually be free. So you can see what your experience is like, um, get a little trial. And if it makes sense, we can 
do a little work together. Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share? I do want to share one thing. So I talked about this a little bit, but actually the primordial cause of disease in Ayurveda is forgetting our true nature as spirit. So this is something in Jalka, my partner and I are really starting to bring into the world. I think at first it felt a little awkward for us because spirituality is so closely tied to religion. And now we're kind of stepping out of that box. And I really want to teach people what it means to be spiritual because ultimately, like even though things show up in digestion, they first start as a seed in some of these other energetic realms, so the astral causal body. And basically what I mean by that is you've lost sense of your way, like letting others guide you versus kind of this inner voice. And so we're super passionate about teaching people how to tap into that voice because like I said, that's really the underlying connection in all of this. So we're starting something called uh, The Spiritual Experiment, and it's actually starting this Thursday. I don't know when this podcast is going live, but if you miss it, we're rolling into something bigger. It's it's a membership we're going to call the Lightworker Society, and that we're going to teach people our own rituals and practices on how to tap into spirituality and using it in terms of the doshas and other things so that you can put all of these practices into play to feel in balance and empowered using all of the sister sciences. I love it. I love the name too, the Lightworker Society. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and letting me talk about you too, because <laughs> it's always good to use a real life practical example. And I, I thank you for being you know, vulnerable and open to that. All right. There you have it. What did you think? I'm going to include all of Rachel's contact info in the show notes. So if you have any questions at all, about anything that we discussed in this episode, feel free to reach out to her. She is clearly an incredible wealth of knowledge in the subject of Ayurveda, so don't be shy. And if you loved this week's episode, remember to go leave us a review. Let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, if you haven't already, go check out samantharoberto.com with a U, R-U-B-E-R-T-O, to go claim your journaling resource and start today. Honestly, guys, journaling has been such an incredible practice and transformational tool in my life. So I'm super, super excited to be sharing my practices with you. Anyways, next week, we're going to have another incredible woman come on and share her vulnerable story. So until then, keep being you, be beautiful. Be beautiful.